0: Welcome to the Vibrant Living Podcast with Stacey Harmer. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm a certified holistic health and life coach and passionate about creating a vibrant life. We'll have conversations about nourishing your body, heart, mind, and soul, discovering your purpose and passion, and sharing your gifts with the world. Thanks for tuning in today. This is episode 26. Gottman's principle number seven, creating shared meaning. Welcome to this week's podcast, everyone. Wonderful to connect with you today. This is the last of Gottman's seven principles to make marriage work. So I wanted to do a real quick review. Thanks for tuning in the last several episodes. I hope that you have found it helpful, not only in your marriage, but in all of your relationships. It's really um, universal, okay? So principle number one is building your love maps. Really getting to know your partner, the nitty gritty details, talking to them, asking open-ended questions, exploring. Number two is fondness and admiration. Taking time to think of the positive in your spouse and the reason why you married them and vocalize the things that you appreciate about them. Principle number three, turning towards your partner rather than turning against or turning away from. So meaning just turning towards your partner, um, making bids to each other and answering those bids and just being part of each other's world, okay? Number four is let your partner influence you. Be open to their suggestions, ideas, yield sometimes to them and their desires and allowing them to influence you. Principle number five is dealing with conflict. And we talked about our um, perpetual problems, which are actually most of the conflicts that you'll deal with. They will not necessarily be solved, but you can work through them and solvable problems, okay? So number six is overcoming gridlock, really trying to like unclaw the gridlock in a conflict. And how we do that is Really dig deep of what is underneath that conflict. Often it's dreams that are going unrealized. So, if we can identify what it is that we really desire and that we dream of, um, we can validate each other and give each other space to um, try to create your dreams and let go of some conflict. Okay. And number seven is creating shared meaning. And that's what we're doing and talking about today. So, remember the weight bearing walls of trust and commitment. As important as all the floors of the house are, they don't hold together without the pillars of trust and commitment. So, in a healthy, supportive relationship, two people make the decision to have faith in each other and to stick together. They freely love one another and pledge to help that love grow. If there is no trust or commitment in the relationship, no matter how hard you work on the principle and the different principles, the house will likely collapse. That means both partners are committed to making the marriage work. If trust has been broken, it can be rebuilt. But that in itself is a long process of healing and rebuilding that trust. And it takes time and a lot of effort to regain trust once it's broken. For a marriage to work and survive, both individuals must be committed to marriage and to each other. So since this is the last of the Gottman series, let's spend a few minutes and just review the four horsemen of the apocalypse in marriage. Remember first is criticism. You'll always have some sort of complaints about the person you live with, okay? But there's a a big difference between a complaint and a criticism. A complaint generally only addresses a specific action at which your spouse perhaps didn't do something that you wanted. A criticism is deeper. You're adding some negative words about your spouse's character or personality, okay? So horseman number two is contempt. This comes in the form of sarcasm and cynicism. It may be name calling, eye rolling, just mockery, whatever form it is. Gottman says that contempt is the worst of the four horsemen and it's poisonous in a relationship because it conveys disgust to the other person. And it's really often fueled by long simmering negative thoughts about your spouse, okay? So you're more likely to have such thoughts if your differences are not resolved. That's why all these little steps build on each other and we can work through the conflict, but if we don't and we just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, it's still gonna be brewing and living within within you and it will, it'll explode or erupt for sure. Number three, defensiveness. This is when one of the spouses start defending themselves, which seems kind of natural if you're on the receiving end. But research shows that this approach rarely has the desired effect. Being defensive is a, really actually a way of just blaming your partner if they bring up the problem, okay? It's like you're saying, the problem isn't me, it's you. And defensiveness really escalates the conflict. It's interesting when when one person brings up something about ourselves, about us, you know, it's easy to step into defensiveness. But if we listen with just an open mind and heart and agree, (laughs) I know that sounds like, oh, could you do that? But kind of agree with them, just like, really? And because you know what? Probably what they're bringing up, there is some truth with, with it. And when we're in a defensive mode, we just put up the wall. But if we think about it, You know, and just can even say, "Yeah, I can see that about myself." I, yeah, sorry. (laughs) That in itself kind of just diffuses everything when we agree, versus being defensive and start blaming the other. And just, just own, own it, own what we have. Anyway, number four, the Horseman number four, Stonewalling. This is when a partner just tunes out. This may be when one partner is getting met with criticism, and they just like hide behind their phone, a newspaper, or whatever. They may just get up and leave the room. This is when one partner simply disengages. They may want to avoid a fight, but by turning away, they're also avoiding the marriage. Okay, I just wanted to do that quick review since this is the last episode as we're going through these principles. So let's move on to number seven, creating shared meaning. If your marriage adheres to the first six principles, there's a good chance that your relationship is stable and happy. But if you find yourself asking, is this all there is? What may be missing is a deeper sense of shared meaning with your partner. Marriage isn't just about raising kids and splitting chores and having intimacy. It can also have a spiritual dimension that has to do with creating an inner life together a culture rich with rituals and an appreciation for your roles and goals that lead you to understand what it means to be part of the family that you have created. So usually when we think of culture, we think in terms of like ethnic groups or, or even countries where certain customs prevail. But a culture can also be created by just two people who, who have agreed to share their lives together. So in essence, each couple and each family create its own microculture. And like other cultures, these small units have their customs. The stories the couple tells themselves, whether true or false, that explain their sense of what a marriage is like and what it means to be a part of that group. So it's important to accept that you each will probably have some dreams that the other doesn't share, but but can also respect. But it's also true that a rewarding marriage is about more than sidestepping conflict. The more you can agree about the fundamentals in life, the richer and more meaningful, and in a sense, easier marriage is likely to be. You certainly can't force yourself to have the same deeply held views and beliefs, but some coming together on these issues is likely to occur naturally if you are open to each other's perspectives. So a crucial goal of any marriage Therefore, is to create an atmosphere that encourages you to talk to your spouse openly about his or her convictions. The more you speak candidly and with respect, the more likely it is, you know, as a couple, we can bring in that sense of blended sense of meaning. So the more shared meaning you can find, the deeper, richer, and more rewarding your relationship will be. Along the way, you'll also be strengthening your marital friendship as we talked about in the first three principles of a happy marriage. So this in turn will make it even easier to cope with the conflicts that inevitably crop up. That's the beauty of these seven principles. They form a feedback loop that ensures that as you work on each principle, it becomes easier to work on the others. So I'm gonna be sharing a few ideas that help create shared meaning together, okay? If you wanna jot them down, Go right ahead. So one is family rituals. You know, Gottman says that it's a rather sad fact that less than a third of the U.S. families eat dinner together regularly. And more than half of those that do have the television on during this time. So this effectively ends conversation during dinner. I know how challenging it can be when life is full and you've got different schedules and everything. But creating informal formal rituals when you can connect emotionally is really critical in marriage and in families. They don't necessarily have to derive from your childhood or family histories. You can create your own. So new rituals might come from a sense of what your family may have lacked. If you wish your family had gone on outings together on the weekends, you may want to incorporate that in your weekly routine. Or if you wish a bigger deal had been made out of the spiritual side of Christmas, you may decide to create that for yourself. So in his book, Dr. Gottman has an exercise where you can create your own family ritual of connection by talking about what you want. As so much of what I've shared the last many episodes, you know, there's a lot that can be discovered and um, connected by simply talking and exploring. So this is really helpful to do as a couple. Discuss what these rituals or lack of rituals were like for you growing up. What the best times and the disasters were like for you. Then you can script your own ritual so you will know who is expected to do what and when. Then we make these rituals something you do regularly and can look forward to. So here's some questions to ponder. How do we eat or should we eat together at dinner? And what is the meaning of our dinner time? Another one is, how should we part at the beginning of each day? What was this like in our own families? Remember, parting is one of the magic six hours that Godman talks about. Another question is, how should our reunions be? Meaning, when we come back at the end of the day, um, what should our bedtime look like? What was it like in our family growing up, and what do we want this to be in our family? What is the meaning of our weekends? What were they like in our family, and what do we want them to be? What are our rituals around vacations? What were they like in our family, and what do we want them to be? You know, I love travel. I love vacations. I just love to see the world. I love to see the beauty of God's creations. And um, yeah, I think I got that from my dad. He loved traveling. We always had um, National Geographic magazines in our home, and just the idea of going and seeing the world um, means a lot. And so, just. You know, my husband and I are trying to navigate that and our ability to um, do that in our family. Another one is to pick a meaningful holiday. What is the true meaning of this holiday to us? How should we celebrate it? How is it celebrated in each of our families? So those are just some areas to look at. Um, and also another area to look at are your roles in life, Okay. So our sense of our place in the world is based to a great extent on the various roles we play. Okay, we're spouses, children, parents, they might be entrepreneurs or have a job. So from the standpoint of marriage, our perspective on our own roles and our mates can either add to the meaningfulness and harmony between us, or it can create tension. So your marriage will feel deeper to the degree that your expectations of each other but you feel your wife's or husband's place is in your family ought to be if they are similar. Okay. If whatever, if if our expectations are similar, in fact, that was the result of my longitudinal study following couples from pre-marriage then over the years, this was part of my master's thesis. The more similar the couple was in their goals and values, ideals, beliefs, the greater marital satisfaction in the long run. So it can be challenging as we, um, grow together and spend time being married together over the years because people change. And, um, but when we're talking about expectations, we're not talking here about seemingly superficial issues, like who washes the dishes. We're talking about deeper feelings about what you expect of yourself and of your spouse. So it's a good area to explore and, and be flexible as, as life happens, and as we change along the way. Another area is personal goals. Part of what makes life meaningful are the goals we strive to achieve. While we all have many different practical goals, like earning a certain amount of income, we can also have deeper, more spiritual goals. For one person, the goal may be to find peace and healing after a really difficult childhood. For another, it may be to raise children who are good-hearted and generous, Many times we don't talk about our deepest goals. Sometimes we haven't even asked ourselves these questions, but when we start, it gives us the opportunity to explore something that can have a profound impact on ourselves and our marriage. So not only will you increase the intimacy in your marriage by sharing your deepest goals with your spouse, but to the extent that you work together to achieve these goals, they can be a path towards making your marriage even richer. It's that shared meaning. John and Julie Gottman have spent their professional career doing research and helping couples. They admit that all problems cannot be solved by reading a book, attending a weekend workshop, or even enrolling in couples therapy. But with that said, they've actually learned what distinguishes happy couples from unhappy ones and how to change the course. So I've shared this in a previous episode, but I want to conclude this episode by talking again about the magic six hours, because when they followed up with couples who had attended their weekend workshop, they asked themselves, is there anything noticeable, a a notable, noticeable difference between couples whose marriages continue to improve over time compared to those whose marriages did not? Well, you'd think the successful couples would have made a dramatic overhaul in their marriage. Well, that's not what they discovered to their surprise. They, are only devoting an extra six hours per week to the relationship. And I know I'm busy live six hours actually can kind of seem like a lot, but you break it down over the seven days and it's really not much. So the Gottman's call this the magic six hours. And like i mentioned before, you can actually go and Google Gottman's magic six hours and you'll find images and diagrams that outline this and you can print it out and it's super helpful and you'll have it right in front of you. Okay, my husband and I, we have it. Printed and pasted up in our bathroom. So we're going to review it once again here. Like I said, since this is really the ongoing maintenance of the seven principles. So here are where those six hours come from. One is partings. Happy couples make an effort to learn at least one thing that's happening in their spouse's life that day before before saying goodbye. So it could be lunch plans, a doctor's appointment, a business meeting, or just whatever. The call is just to ask questions and learn about your partner's day. So we're like engaged in each other's life. That allocates 10 minutes per week. Okay. It's literally two minutes a day. What's going on? But, you know, just checking in. The second is reunions. When you see your spouse again at the end of the day, this is sharing a hug and a kiss. And God us add That kiss should be six seconds. Okay. I want you to try it out. Go try it and have that reunion for six seconds. I know it's a good reminder for me, but. Um then he says to have a stress reducing conversation that lasts at least 20 minutes. So this provides a space for empathy and non-sexual intimacy, as well as encourages you to just understand the stresses and problems outside of your relationship that you're both facing. And this can be done right when you connect at the end of the day or a little later. It works best for us as a couple to have that couple communication time later in the evening after our kids are in bed. But that's 20 minutes a day, or that adds up to one hour and 40 minutes per week, okay? The next one is appreciation and admiration. As we've stated multiple times, it's important to find ways to genuinely communicate affection and appreciation towards your partner. This can mean like keeping a journal, you can jot down things that you admire, um, you might just record small things that you notice. It could be sending your spouse an uplifting or positive text or simply sharing verbally something you appreciate and admire about them. Often we think it, but often I know I don't always express it. So let's just remind ourselves to express those things and let our partner know. Um, Not only will this make them feel valued, but it also puts the lens on for our own minds to see the positive traits of your spouse instead of focusing on the negative. So here's an example. Thanks for helping out with the dishes last night and letting me finish my project. You are so thoughtful to do that. Okay, <laughs> something simple, but those words mean a lot. Okay, that's 35 minutes a week, adding just, it's like five minutes per day that we can do that. All right, the next one is affection, expressing a physical affection. When you're together, it's really vital to being connected to each other. So making sure to embrace each other before falling asleep and giving each other a kiss or two or three. This is my favorite. I'm a cuddler. (laughs) My husband doesn't like to cuddle when we sleep, but you know, those first 10 minutes snuggling is wonderful. So my favorite part is just to snuggle up and it helps that he's warm and my feet are usually cold and (laughs) all those things. But it's in these moments of affection that we can let go just the minor stresses of the day that have been built up. And we can just relax into each other's arms. So Gottman says that's five minutes a day, We can push it up to 10. But just that physical affection, or it could be just holding hands, rubbing someone's shoulders, scratching a back, something like that, rubbing feet, any of that is wonderful. So the next is date night. And that is once a week. And this is just making a point to get together, okay, and go out and spend some time together, um, talking, doing something fun, you, you can even just make it simple, okay, um, but it's carving out time, it might be going for a walk, in fact, my husband and I are going to do that in just a few minutes, as soon as I do this podcast, we have some time that we want to spend together and talk and discuss a few things, and we just said, let's just go walk around, it's warm outside, so take time to plan and follow through, Okay, if we don't do it, who will? It's up to us. And remember on those dates to ask open-ended questions and focus on turning towards each other. Remember, you've got the Gottman card decks that have lots of good questions that you can bring up. So that time allocation is two hours per week. And the last is the State of the Union meeting. Meeting, I love that name. It's Dr. Gottman's um, meeting that he says that it happens once per week and about an hour per session. And really this is a time where we can discuss areas of concern within the relationship. And that has shown to transform the way couples manage conflict. So if I know in our weekly meeting, we can also go over our schedule and bring up anything that we need to discuss. But he says this, that if there's a dedicated space to discuss conflict, this gives couples the freedom to express their fears and concerns in a way that makes them feel heard and loved instead of feeling neglected. This can become a weekly ritual in your relationship that happens at the same time each week. It's sacred time because it's transformative, even though it may not feel like it in the moment and it might not even feel fun. But here's how you do it. Start by talking about what has gone well in your relationship since the last meeting. Next, give each other Five appreciations, okay? Something positive that you haven't yet expressed. Try to be specific and include examples, okay? So, starting out on that positive note. Now, discuss any issues that may have arisen in the relationship. So, to make the conversation effective, Gottman says to take turns being the speaker and the listener. So, as a speaker, use gentle startups. That's avoiding triggering your partner. So, as The listener, try to truly understand what your partner is saying. Without judgment, validate what they're saying, even if you may not agree. For example, I can see how you would feel that way. That must be frustrating. Validation simply acknowledges that what the other person is experiencing is real. If you get defensive, like I mentioned earlier, or flooded, meaning your heart is racing and um, you start feeling the physical sensation, Take a 20-minute break and return to the conversation because it's not going to end well if you continue on. So after both partners feel understood and heard by the other, um, move on to problem solving. And we've talked about that in as far as problem solving, overcoming gridlock, and you can go back and we'll listen to that episode where you, yeah, we talked about that, where you, where you identify the dreams that are hidden and the things that you just can't give on, but the things that you can be flexible on. Okay, so anyway, that's the State of the Union meeting, and that's one hour per week. And that equals, if you add them all up, that I just shared, the magic six hours. So it's worth printing out and having up in your space that you can take a look at and review and make it a priority to work those things into your marriage. And even one person taking the initiative and starting one person can change the relationship because it's by your thoughts that change everything. You can't completely change the relationship by the thoughts that you have about that partner. Okay, so thanks for tuning in today, everyone. So great and to connect with you this week and always. And just another little plug two weeks down for our event. Oh my goodness, lots of people are signing up. It's going to be an amazing day. In fact on Monday morning on Good Things Utah. We're going to be on there and talking about our event and spreading and sharing the word. It's May 14th. It's a Saturday. You can attend live, which I would highly recommend. It's going to be an amazing. We're having an opening session that's going to be so fun with some incredible music and movement and inspiration. 21 workshops and classes some incredible vendors we have lunch there the friday evening before we're having a sound bowl experience for the vips vips you get lunch you get all of the recordings you get the bowl experience you get priority seating and a swag bag so the price is incredible as well so take advantage of the early bird pricing um, through may 5th So thank you, everyone. I sure appreciate you being on the podcast today, and we will connect with you next week. Bye-bye.